Hello friends, welcome to the show. My name is Tom Broback and I'm on a mission to help high school coaches keep their athletes happy and healthy. I loved playing sports growing up. From backyard football to traveling basketball to high school track and field, there is nothing better than being on a team and playing to win a game. Unfortunately, I struggled with health issues and I know your athletes do too. This inspired me to become a physical therapist and sports performance coach. This podcast will help coaches like you learn how to keep your athletes off the bench and in the game. Do you coach at a small school, like a really small school where you barely have enough kids to make a team? How are you supposed to be successful in this situation? Today, we find out with my guest, Garrett Muller. Garrett coaches football in Stuartville, Minnesota. His success as a coach and leader is attributed to many factors from growing up in a coaching family to establishing core principles in his football program. I hope you enjoy listening to Garrett on the show. What uh, originally got you into coaching? Uh, yeah, so uh, going back, you know, to like growing up, sports were always a big part of my life, um, playing as many different sports as possible. Um, my dad was a head football coach, um, growing up, um, and, and always had been a coach for, you know, throughout his career. So the coaching world and football specifically was a big part of my life always growing up. And so, you know, I saw the ins and outs of that on a daily basis, being at practices, you know, being on the sidelines of games. So very much grew up, uh, in that world and loved everything about it. Football was, you know, my, my passion, um, in, as far as sports go. And so, um, had a, had a successful, um, high school football, uh, program that I was a part of, uh, won a state championship my senior year, um, and had the opportunity then to go and play at the collegiate level at, um, UW or Wisconsin lacrosse. Um, I went to college there and then, um, got my degree in physical education, teaching, um, and health. And so kind of from an early on age. And as I went through college, that was always kind of the the route that I wanted to pursue was, was teaching and coaching. Um, both my parents were teachers. Um, and like I said, my dad was a head football coach for, for my entire career. So, um, had a lot of experience and, and loved, um, everything about just that profession and being able to work with athletes and give back and help them develop and, and be around the sport of football as much as possible. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was early and often and, and a heavy influence in my life. And, um, so after graduating college, um, actually moved to North Carolina for a couple of years with my um, now wife uh, and spent three years there teaching and, and coaching at a, at a big high school um, and then had the opportunity to move back closer to family here um, in, in Southeast Minnesota. Um, I'm originally from Wisconsin, um, the Western portion of the state. Um, so it was close to, to family and friends. And uh, so we, we took the opportunity to come back this way and I, I took the, uh, teaching and coaching position at Stuartville High School in Minnesota, where I currently am and have been the last 11 years now. So been the head football coach there the last four years, um, just wrapped up my fourth year, my 11th overall in Stuartville. And uh, it's been it's been a great ride so far. To your knowledge, do head football coaches when they at the at the high school varsity level, when they first get into coaching, do they already know this is where I'm going to end up is the head coach of a program? Uh, no, not necessarily. I don't think like I have, I've had conversations with 
like assistance on my staff about, you know, is this something that you would be interested in, you know, being a head coach at some point? Cause I think that's important to, you know, have that conversation with your assistants. If that's something that they're interested or passionate in, um, helping them develop that way and find those opportunities. And, you know, like I have a handful of guys on, on my staff that they don't want any business of being a head coach at any point. Um, they really enjoy the, the coaching side of it and working with players and developing, you know, young men. Um, but, uh, you know, all the extra stuff that goes along with being a, a head coach, um, is, is a tough task sometimes. So, you know, I don't, I, I, there's, it's, there's certainly a calling for it. I think, um, that some people really, you know, find a lot of joy and, um, excitement with leading a program. Um, but I think for a lot of others, um, that's more maybe than, than what they're looking for. So, you know, it's, it's a mix, I think, um, some people maybe find that later on after having been in it, maybe, you know, after, after being an assistant, there's a lot of things maybe that they would like to try or do and um, would like the opportunity to implement those things, especially if, you know, they're maybe on a staff or with a coach that doesn't necessarily agree with or want to do some mm -hmm. of the things that they want to do. Um, so that might lead them down that path. Um, and, and others, you know, just are, are happy being a part of a staff and, and as an assistant. So yeah, it's definitely a mix. I think, um, some that have a, a calling for it early on and others that develop later and, and ones that just, uh, you know, don't have a, a, a passion for it at all. Would you be fulfilled not being the head coach, but still at this point in your career, not being the head coach, but still being part of a staff? Um, after having been a head coach now, it, you know, it depends on the situation. I think. Sure. Um, I was very fortunate when I came to Stuartville High School, the, who, the guy that was the head coach at the time, um, just an outstanding guy and, and still one of my very close friends now here. He's, he teaches with me at the high school. Um, and the one thing I learned from him um, at being an assistant was uh, to make sure you do a great job of delegating and empowering your assistant coaches and mm -hmm. giving them a lot of say in you know, the direction of the program. He did that with me and allowed me a lot of freedom um, as a position coach, um, I was the offensive coordinator as well. And so in terms of implementing, you know, offensive schemes and calling plays, uh, and so before, you know, when, when the opportunity came where he was going to step down, uh, you know, he asked me if I, I wanted to be the head coach and I was kind of taken aback by it and I was excited for the opportunity, but at the same time, just the way our program was structured and, and the things I was able to do, I really enjoyed being an assistant underneath him. And, you know, if there was a situation like that, where I had a lot of those same freedoms, um, to do some of those things, I could definitely see myself, uh, doing that. If, you know, you know myself and the head coach were on the same way wavelength with what we want to do and the direction with the program. Um, but it would probably take a, a special situation like that, uh, to make it happen. Absolutely. I have, uh, I have three brothers and two of them have coached uh, football. One was the middle school and then later high school uh, coach. And the other one was high school coach as well. And they had uh, two very different experiences, both in terms of uh, the, how the program was run and also the kind of the win loss record on the field too. Sure. And it's amazing when, so we all grew up, like we went to Rosemount, we had a very successful uh, a program that we were in and we were usually on good teams and things like that. And that's all you really know, like is, the first right. experience you have like growing up. So for you, that experience was 
was uh, your dad. You're being around your dad, the way he ran the programs, things like that. And it's very easy for coaches to just do what they initially learned, good or bad, or right, you know, right well, or wrong, or yeah, yeah. You only you only know what you know, right? Or you right. don't know what you don't know. So it, yeah, you grow up one way, assuming that's the way to do it. So did you find yourself sounding like your dad, doing things like <laughs> your dad, and not yeah, and not yeah, just not because th- that's right. just, that's all you know, right? Because it's all you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was so. I guess the unique thing about my situation was um so my dad was not the head coach in at the school that i went to so he told oh wow yeah so this is interesting i like this yeah so he coached and taught at a smaller high school about 45 minutes away from the hometown that i grew up in so my mom was a teacher in in the district in the city that we lived in um my dad had for a long time then been uh, a teacher and a head coach in this other town um, before we were, you know, even old enough to start going to school. So they had taught in separate districts. And then, you know, when we were old enough to start going to school, we obviously, you know, just stayed in the town that we grew up in. And it was always like, as I got to that point where I was, you know, getting to like middle school age and going to start playing tackle football, um, you know, that was a, a thought that crossed my mind a lot was, you know, do I, cause there was like, you could go and open enroll if you wanted to in another district, if you could, you know, get yourself there. So that was always, uh, something that I tossed around a little bit going and, you know, playing for my dad. Um, it, it would have been a smaller school. So I probably would have had more opportunity to play, um, and be a, maybe, a uh, have a bigger impact, you know, sure. on the field and the program, the school that I was at was probably twice the size of his, um, okay. But I had I had a, such a uh, close group of friends, and like I said, it was a really successful program in the town that we lived. Then we won five state championships over the course of ten years while I was growing up, and then won one my senior year of high school. So um, I ended up staying there in in my hometown at Menominee, um, and 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 playing for for Coach Joe Labuda there, who's a you know a Hall of Fame coach in his own right um, in the state, and. Uh, you know, the, the crazy part was my, so my dad, because of that, my dad didn't really get to see me play football a whole lot. I went to his games a bunch growing up, but then oh, once sure. he, once I was in high school, he was coaching yeah. in one town on a Friday night and I was right. playing in a different one. So, you know, Saturday mornings, you know, was usually us hashing out his game and my game and talking about what happened. Um, but you could probably count on, on one hand, the number of times he actually got to see me play uh, in high school, like it would have been in the playoffs or something like that, you know, if his team was had lost and we were still, still going right. or something like that. So a uh, pretty, for as important as football was in both of our lives to not ever really have a shared experience, um, was tough, but it, you know, it was something that, you know, I never resented him for, um, and we always had a great open relationship about it and stuff like that. So now, um, the cool part, about it is he is able to come down and assist me with my program. And so we get oh, to, we get to yeah. have that shared experience now. So he's been helping me out for the last or our program out for the last eight years. I think 2013 was his first year helping us in Stuartville. So we've been able to um, kind of catch up on some lost time um, experiencing football together. And it's um, it's been pretty special. So, yeah. I'm sure you were a nice guy in high school and probably didn't do this, but <laughs> 
Did you ever go up to your football coach and be like, this is the way my dad does it. I think we should do it this way. <laughs> no, Did that I, ever come up? I was scared to death of my coach in high school. There was no way I would have done that. No, uh, we, and they, and I will say, you know, they, so like my head coach in high school was, uh, like good friends with my dad. They knew each other. Um, just being in the same kind of part of the state. My dad was a longtime head coach as well. Um, he would come, my dad would come down and help out at like camps in my hometown. So they had a really good relationship. And so I kind of knew, um, coach the Buddha, um, and Menominee from a younger age, just being in that coaching world a little bit coming up and stuff like that. So, and, you know, I was fortunate, you know, to have that influence from my dad who, um, is in the hall of fame in the state of Wisconsin as a, as a head coach, um, doing things, you know, the right way and being really successful. And then also, you know, being coached by, uh, uh, you know, an outstanding head coach, um, at Menominee and having that great experience. So I was lucky to really have two, you know, I would say equally, um, good ex influences and experiences growing up. Um, definitely, you know, different, unique in their own right, but did a lot of things similar as well. And so I would say myself, you know, as a coach, especially starting out, um, a lot of influences from both of them. And I guess, you know, that was a, a benefit. I, I guess, looking back uh, to myself, having, you know, more than one just kind of influence or experience there, you know, the one that I experienced myself playing in, and then, you know, my dad as well, um, kind of helped uh, me be a, a little bit more well-rounded, I guess you could say, as I started out my coaching career, um, but definitely have grown, you know, I, I think through that role too, and, and do a lot of things different now, you know, than what we did 10 years ago, so. That leads right into my next point. So perfect segue there. A lot of coaches that I asked me on the podcast, they usually have a, a sprint based football mentality. Um, and that's gained a lot of, uh, of, of steam in the last couple of years here, especially if you're on social media. Yeah. And coaches usually fall in two different camps. One is I had the opposite experience growing up and I wanted to change that because I knew there's a better way. And then the other camp is, I actually had a similar experience. We didn't call it that growing up, but we took a lot of those values and principles and were able to implement that into kind of this new wave with technology and uh, you know, timing and things like that. Yeah, it's, There's so many different ways you can run a football program now. Oh, yeah. um, so for you, did you fall in either of those camps where you had uh, um, kind of opposite philosophy growing up or similar philosophy? And then how has that changed with uh, with your time as a head coach? Yeah. So, um, a lot. So for me, there's a lot to talk about there, um, which is great. So, you know, stop me and ask questions uh, as we go for sure here. Um, so growing up, um, in, in the pro at, at Menominee high school in our program, it was very much a grinder mentality. Mm -hmm. So a ton of time hours upon hours of, of hard work. And back then, you know, we were very, very successful. And, you know, we equated with the more you work, the harder you work, the more successful you're going to be. It was a very simple equation for everyone. Um, and, and, you know, we won a lot of football games that way. We, we went 14 and 0 my senior year and the state championship. Um, I would say, you know, grinding throughout the course of the year, you know, there were certainly times where, uh, that sucked and was really, really hard and we probably didn't enjoy it, you know, all the time, but, mm -hmm. you know, winning, winning, winning cures all. And so, you know, it was, we, we justified it, I think with, with the success that we had in our program and no doubt about it, you know, I'm, 
uh, I found success as an adult because of the growth I went through in that program. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, ultimately for me, it was a, it was a positive experience. Um, but a very different mentality, I think, than what I employ now as a head coach. Um, I would say, you know, we talked about my dad a little bit. He would probably be somewhere in the middle, uh, mm-hmm. between kind of what I grew up in, uh, in that program and, and what I'm doing now. And so, um, you know, since he's been kind of a part of my staff, it's been fun to kind of have him go through that transformation a little bit and see things through a little bit different light than what he did for 35 years of his career, uh, mm-hmm. as a head coach. Um, but you know, when I, like I said, when I started out as a, uh, an assistant, um, I was still employing, you know, those same kind of that same mentality and those values of the more you work, the harder you work, uh, the more successful you're going to be. So very much that grinder mentality. Um, and again, you can be successful doing that, but you know, how healthy is that for you as an individual, for your family, uh, and all that kind of stuff is, you know, I, I think there's now better ways to do it. So, um, about three years ago after my first year as a head coach, so 2018 was my first year head coach. Um, we kind of began this, this process and this shift to a sprint base, you know, feed the cats football program. Um, and it was kind of started, you know, because we were, we had guys who were getting hurt all the time. Um, we had, you know, we dealt with a lot of injuries. We're not a huge school. Um, and so we need all of our best athletes on the field for us to be successful. And Mm -hmm. if we're losing guys to season ending injuries, that makes it really, really tough. Um, we were coming off like back to back five and four records, um, guys were worn out and there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, I guess excitement or, and guys weren't having a ton of fun. And so it was, you know, we were looking for something new or ways to fix it. And, uh, you know, stumbled in January of 2019, we kind of stumbled across some articles by Tony Holler, um, and Brad Dixon, who's kind of the, uh, the OG when it comes to sprint based football. Um, at least in, in my world, he is, uh, well, especially for a smaller school where, yeah, right. It was the, very the injury relatable. rates matter a ton. One kid yeah. out that, yeah, that's we can't, right. a couple wins maybe there. We just, yeah. We just don't have another, you know, dude that we can backfill in that can do the exact same thing. So, right. um, yeah, we need our best, we need our best on the field. Um, and so kind of starting to read some of that stuff, you know, it, it was some new, different, crazy ideas, but as you read through it. And, you know, you, you hear about, you know, what a sprint based feed the cats football program values, you know, things like happy and healthy athletes, attracting great athletes, um, doing less, achieving more, um, you know, training speed and power, um, you know, teaching kids to build their own house and and light a fire and and get them excited about what they do. Um, that, that all made sense, right? It's like, why wouldn't you want to have that stuff in your program and here's a way that you can do it um and and have players and coaches um enjoy the process more so we started um you know then just doing a super deep dive like jumped in two feet first uh and reading and consuming as much information as we could um from a strength and uh like speed and and strength standpoint um for like off-season performance building stuff and then like in-season stuff and how you structure practices around those types of things. And so um, took a lot of ideas from, from Brad Dixon and, and how he was, uh, you know, organizing his, 
his in-season practices and, and during the week um, with like sprint days, non-sprint days and stuff like that. So we took like nine months through that off season to really develop and, and build that um, for the, for the upcoming, that up, next upcoming season. Um, and we ended up going eight and zero and winning a district championship um, with a group of seniors that I think were like 500 or less their entire career. So not like a, ton of super talented kid. It wasn't like it was a great class all of a sudden that helped us be right. successful. They were, you know, pretty average uh, up to that point and um, definitely uh, kind of came out of nowhere. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that contributed to, to our success that season, but I think the biggest one was moving to that sprint based football approach. Um, and, you know, then now we're, we're three years into it and I wouldn't do it any other way. Um, between you know things like we've we've impl fully implemented things like RPR, um, reflexive performance reset. I would imagine, I think a lot of your listeners probably know what that is, but um, implemented that fully now in our in our program um, just to help with um, again reducing injuries and and uh, improving performance. Um, triphasic training. We you know we started implementing so a lot of stuff we got from like Cal Dietz, um, and then our our. Uh, sprint stuff from Chris Corfist and, and from Tony. Um, so started implementing that stuff in terms of sports performance standpoint. Um, and so it's just been, it's been a crazy ride um, to see the growth of our program over the last three years and the, the continued success that we've had, but then just how much more our players are enjoying it, how much more our coaches are enjoying the experience um, how much healthier we've been, um, at least from the, con you know, things that we can control. It's a, it's a collision sport. So we get broken bones and stuff like that still. And there's not much you can do to avoid that. But in, in terms of like soft tissue injuries, you know, we, we haven't had a kid miss a game due to like a pulled hamstring or, or hip flexor or anything like that. Um, we've had, I think two concussions over the last three years and only one kid, one of those kids had to miss a game. And that's cause it was a short week. He got it on a Friday. We played our next game on a Wednesday, so we had to sit out. But otherwise, he would have been cleared if you know if we played on a Friday after that. So, um, you know, we have guys healthy, fresh, fast, um, and excited to play on Friday nights. And it's just been huge for our program. You know, I think our players would say the same thing. You know, they uh, they wouldn't want to do it any other way. Just for a comparison, what was a typical injury rate? before you transition to sprint based football, uh, how many concussions in a year, how many kind of tweaked hamstrings, pulled sure, groins, yeah. um, the guy kind of thing. Uh, good, uh, good question. You know, I I'd have to talk to our trainer and, and go back, run the numbers. Right, but like, sure. I know, so like just to use 2018, my first year as a head coach, as an example, cause that was kind of the, you know, when we decided we had to make a change, we had, um, two kids uh, have season ending knee injuries uh, in the summer before the season even mm -hmm. started all conference offense and defensive linemen, like at the most important position group uh, for us, you know, that was just, that was devastating. And then um, we had a um, receiver um, that ended up uh, having a shoulder injury um, that, that was out for a significant amount of time. That was, that was a really good player for us. So, um, you know, and then we had again, a handful of concussions that, that guys were out for, 
And so it was just, yeah, it was tough to not have, you know, I don't think we played a game where we had, you know, at least on paper who are starting 11, we're going to be preseason ever play a game, you know, fully together. Um, our quarterback ended up uh, breaking a collarbone and, and we had to bring in a, a backup guy that wasn't necessarily, you know, anything that's, that we could have done. But, um, you know, the biggest thing too with, with the injury is the way or the injury stuff, like you're going to get injured in games on a Friday night. Sometimes like you can't avoid some of those things, but the, the big thing for me is making sure we keep our guys fresh and healthy throughout the week. Um, you know, a lot of programs that, you know, kill their kids in practice and grind their kids in practice every week, you know, they're either getting injured in practice or they're at such, you know, at a, a depleted level by the time they get to a Friday night, they're at a greater risk of injury for the game when it, when it happens. So that's been my biggest thing is making sure too, that, you know, we don't have guys getting sore, tired, or injured in practice during the week. And we haven't had come close to having anything like that in the last three years since we've implemented this as well, you know, and we're still having as much success on a Friday night. Guys are still ready to play um, because of it. So yeah, no, it's, it's been huge from a, from a health and safety standpoint for us. Um, you know, our, a, a player's best ability is their availability, I think. Um, and so we, we certainly make that a priority in our program. Now you're sounding like my dad a little bit here, so. <laughs> but, uh, have coaches at other programs noticed either the way you guys have been playing, obviously even winning games, so they noticed that, but have they noticed yeah. that, Hey, you guys are always healthy. Hey, you guys look fresh in the fourth quarter. Hey, like you guys don't have like the same injuries we do. Have you had any coaches come up to you and, and notice that? Uh, a f not many, a few, you know, we've, I've had, I guess more, it's been fun to hear feedback from our players throughout the course of a game. Um, I've had, you know, on a, on a regular basis, the last couple of years, I've had players come up to me, um, at different points in the second half of a game and say, you know, coach, they're tired, they're done, they're sore, you know, uh, we, we've wore them out. And, you know, we don't do conditioning in our program, um, and, you know, and we're, we're not hitting a whole lot during the week. So, um, you know, other programs think that they're, you know, preparing their guys to be able to finish a football game. And really, um, I think, you know, they're doing the exact opposite. So it's fun when, when our own guys recognize that um, throughout the course of a football game. Um, I've had, I've had like um, uh, one or two coaches um, that just kind of been passing, uh, in the off season have, have just mentioned, um, either how fast or how, how, you know, how hard we hit, uh, throughout the course of the game. And, or, you know, we were kind of hit, hit them harder than what most teams do. Um, and I think that's, you know, again, to make the argument for implementing a sprint based football program. Um, I think, you know, I don't think you can hit or be as violent as you could possibly be unless you're doing a sprint-based football program. Like one lends itself to the other. If you're grinding a kid and wearing them down during the week, there's no way they can hit or be as violent as possible on a Friday night, you know, because of, I think because of the way we structure our program and keep our kids fresh, fast and healthy throughout the week, um, they're able to be as violent and hit as hard as possible on a Friday during a game when it counts, right? When it matters, not on a Wednesday in practice on a Friday in a game, uh, when, when, it, when it matters. So, you know, that, that was, that's always my, you know, kind of elevator pitch, I guess you could say, uh, to coaches when they ask about it, you know, 
they say, do you want, you know, we, we block better, we tackle better. You know, the two, when you break it down, the team that blocks and tackles the best on a Friday night is probably going to win. Um, and then being fast on top of it, you know, is, is great. And I think we do all thing all three things better now because of the sprint based football approach that we take. How has RPR worked for you? Uh, I love it. Uh, it, that was a, you know, that was a game changer for me. I, so back, uh, when we kind of started this process, 2019, we came across RPR then pretty early, um, via like the TFC clinic and then reading about Chris Corpus, who was one of the founders of it. And then we, and we had already been doing, we had implemented triphasic training as well in our program. So Cal Dietz, you know, who developed that is up at the, at the, at the U of M there. Um, so, so we started reading about RPR and we're, we're really curious about it. And so I actually went and did my level one certification with Cal, um, up in the cities in, in the, it was like late winter, early spring of 2019. Um, and I, I was really taken by surprise how, um, impactful it could be, I guess you could say. Um, and felt the difference right away for myself when I started using it. Um, and so we kind of brought that back to our program and started implementing it in the summer, uh, of 2019 and then, and then full go, you know, with our team in the fall there and, and have, you know, continued to grow that and, and make it a, just an integral part of our program ever since I've gone on and, and, and gotten level two and level three certified now. And, um, just see a huge difference in our players in how they, how they feel, how they move. Um, you know, it's, I think RPR works, you know, in combination really well with the other things than we do in our program. You know, I would say, uh, you know, we're, we're as healthy as we are, um, because of a lot of different things. Um, RPR, I think is one of them putting guys in a performance state, um, so that things are, you know, turned on, working, firing in the order they should, when they should. Um, so again, so they're performing at a high level, but then also reducing the risk of injury. Um, and so I think that's, you know, that's been a big part of our success when it comes to keeping guys healthy. Um, and that's really all we do, like, um, you know, whether it's an in-season practice or an off-season, you know, sprint session, um, we start with RPR every single day and that's really, that's our warm up. Like we don't do any, uh, anything else. We, we RPR, um, we'll do, we'll do sprint drill stuff. Um, and then we're going and, and, you know, again, we see, we see high performance and, and reduce risk of injury from it. Guys feel, um, just better, feel turned on and ready to go, um, when they do it. One of the challenges of, uh, you know, coming into the TFC world or, or switching over to sprint based football is all you hear about is success. You see, uh, like I went to TFC Iowa this past summer. Oh yeah. And, um, Matt Campbell spoke there Yeah, and I left. I'm like, Iowa state's winning the national title. Like, <laughs> awesome, he yeah. is, oh, he is, he is amazing. And just the way yeah. he presents himself, the way it seems like they built their program, the, the, cause the, the stories he gives, match up with the stories you hear in the news too of sure. you know we put family first and then you hear these recruiting stories where they actually put the ownership on the players like do you want these other kids to come and be part of our family yeah um so yeah you hear something like that and uh and then you hear like steve jones comes up and say all right this guy hasn't lost a game in like 20 years like yeah, yeah he's awesome um but then like uh, uh chris corfus told a story 
And I was like, oh, okay, like you guys won state this year. Like, great. He's like, no, 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 no. Like, I had multiple kids pull their hamstring at state meet and we lost basically because they got hurt. And like, I didn't do my job as a coach. And I was just like floored. I'm like, whoa, like, you guys have failures too. Like, yeah. it's not you guys just did awesome things We're all just the time. Good all the time. Yeah. They're very, absolutely very open. So, my question to you is when you do have a setback, you do have an yeah. injury or you have a loss or the season, not that the season's all wins and losses, but if things don't go the way you want, how do you stay the course in your your mission and your drive into your what your philosophy is as a football coach? Uh, yeah, so that's that's tough, and I think you know, you, depending on the situation, I probably handle some better than others. Like when it comes to like a loss, you know, on a Friday night, you know, we were fortunate to win all of our regular season games this year. We were undefeated, and we were the number one seed going to the playoffs, and we got upset. Uh, in the playoffs. And, and that was really, really tough because then it's like, you know, here we had all this success during the regular season and you just feel like you, you know, like you said, Chris, like you, you just, you let everybody down, like you had done all these great things. And then, you know, what happened? And, and it's such a, such a shock sometimes. And I'm a hugely competitive person. Um, and so, so losing does not sit well, you know, with me, but, um, ultimately then I think the big thing is to reflect and, and take a step back, uh, take some time and take a step back and, and look big picture wise and try to, you know, figure out obviously, you know, what happened in that moment to cause that. But, you know, big picture wise, while we look at, the, look at the great things that we've done, you know, in our program up to this point, look at all the, you know, the, the greater number, I guess you could say of success stories, the feedback from the players, the experience that they're having. Um, and ultimately, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of things really, really well. Um, one thing I learned early on, uh, after I started coaching was, uh, I guess the saying is to control the controllables, right? And so there are, there are so many <laughs> uncontrollable things that I felt early on coaching that I should be able to control. And, you know, uh, with, with some time and some experience realized that there are just some things that you have to let go. And once I was able to come to terms with that um, and focus on the things that I can control, um, you know, surrender the outcome, you know, comes some, some of the Steve, Steve Jones talks and things like that, right? Burn your goals, surrender the outcome. Um, once I, I fully committed myself to that, um, it, it really helped to be able to just, you know, learn and grow from those opportunities, I guess, those learning opportunities, you could say. Um, and continue to find ways to improve and, and get it better for myself and, and for our program and for our players. So um, that's that's definitely be I would say an area that I've grown the most over the last couple of years as a head coach. Um, and I think something that's probably the most frustrating for young coaches because they take so much ownership on you know the results and the outcomes. Mm -hmm. And and it's tough when you don't get what you expect when you feel like you've done everything right to get there. And, and that's just, you know, that's life in the world we live in. Um, and you got to focus on, you know, the process and doing things the right way. Uh, ultimately, you know, uh, we're if, if you do that, I feel like you're going to get more things hopefully to turn out the way you want, but ultimately you got to surrender that outcome, um, and, uh, and continue to just find ways to improve and get better. It's amazing how often, uh, in high school sports, a goal is to, win districts or win your section or win state 
And even as like the quarterback or as the head coach, you honestly have such a small percentage of influence on that when it comes to yeah. you know, the kids that play or don't play, coaches that stared. Yeah. Like there's a hundred million factors, right? And most of them you can't control. Head coach, you have a little more control than everyone else. But at the end of the day, like the kids gotta go play. Yep. You know, if it's a rainy day on a Friday, like anything's gonna happen. Yeah. You have such small like you think you have a lot, and that's probably why you're an amazing coach and a great <laughs> teacher, because you think like you can help so many people. Um but we make these goals that we don't have influence over. And then when we don't reach them, we take it so personal. Right. And they're, and that it's so hard to kind of like get over that. Cause you still want to win. Like the goal is always to win the game. Like Absolutely. that's the reason for sport. Right. You have to, it seems like a lot of successful people find that they have a goal that like supersedes, they have like that mission, right? Like surrender the outcome. They have something that supersedes even like winning a state championship, if you can like even fathom that. Yeah. But then they're always chasing that. So they're never really uh, unfulfilled or losing. Do you have that in your life? Uh, yeah. Like I think, you know, for, for me um, in our, in our football program and let me know if I understood you here correctly in, in your question, but like for me in our football program, um, as I took over as the head coach, my number one priority was, to create the best experience possible for our athletes. And, and even more so now as I've, as we've transitioned to that sprint base, feed the cats football model. Um, I want being a part of Stuart Bowl football to be the absolute best memory experience part of our athletes high school career. And so for me, if I can do that, um, you know, that's the, that's the, the biggest mission. That's my mission that I'm on. And, um, you know, we've been fortunate to win a lot of football games along the way. And I think that then just enhances, right. And adds to that experience that our players have been a part of. Um, but that's a, you know, a big, big thing. We, I mean, we talk about that then in our program, that's not like just accidental, you know, that's, it's very intentional with the way we, we structure our program and, and the things we do, um, throughout the year, uh, we're intentional in talking about those things with our players. So, so they know that, you know, we don't go into, you know, the beginning of the season, uh, talking about winning, you know, our focus being to, to win state championships or, or conference championships or things like that. You know, there's definitely that undertone and that expectation to win. Um, but it's, it's definitely not something we emphasize, I guess you could say it's very much more about, you know, the, the shared values in our program, which are attitude, effort, accountability, and family. We talk about what those look like. Uh, you know, on a daily basis at practice, you know, uh, on the field, off the field, in the classroom, in our school, in our community, um, living out those shared values and, and continuing to improve as a football player. And ultimately then the scoreboard on a Friday night is going to take care of itself. And we feel like if we, you know, just focus on that, if we're process oriented and do all those things the right way, you know, we're going to put ourselves in a position to be successful. And, um, you know, that, and that's been a, you know, that's been a growing process for us. We're, we're still not where I'd like us to be yet. We're better than we were when we started. Um, but you know, we're, we're continuing to look, look for ways to, um, grow and, and improve and, and just continue to get better and fulfill that, you know, that mission of, of delivering the best experience possible to our athletes. Um, you know, like I said, we're, we've been fortunate to win a lot of football games then on, uh, along the way. And I, but I think it's ultimately because of that, that focus and that process that we're committed to, 
um, more than anything else. I'm excited for you. Thank you for taking time to be on the podcast. I appreciate you, Garrett. Looking forward to all your future uh, successes and failures because we've learned the most <laughs> from those. You bet. And uh, keep doing great things down in Stewartville. And uh, again, appreciate you. Awesome. Thanks, Tom. <laughs>